Hello, welcome to Desert Island Books, a podcast about reading. I'm your host and resident librarian, Natalie Mason, from the Melbourne Library Service. Joining me is a special guest who will share their top three all-time favourite books. Kate Tawney is the Chief Executive Officer of the State Library of Victoria and has been since July 2015. Kate joined the library during an exciting period of transformation, overseeing its evolution into an innovative contemporary centre for knowledge, learning and culture. Kate is the Chair of the National and State Libraries Australasia, which leads collaboration between galleries, libraries, archives and museum sectors in Australia to enable people to access, use and build on national collections. From April 2009, Kate was Director of News at the ABC, leading 1,400 journalists and production staff around Australia and in 11 international bureaus. Kate was a member of the ABC's executive leadership team and in charge of program teams including 7.30, Four Corners and Australian Story, along with ABC's reporting teams across the country and around the world. Welcome to your desert island, Kate. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. You happy to relax and read and chat with me for a while? It's it's blissful, actually. It's quite lovely. It is. Mm, Excellent. Um, well, shall we begin? Yes, we shall. All right, let's talk about the first book that you've brought with you. Could you please reveal the title and author of book one? Tree of Man by Patrick White. Excellent choice. Tell me how you came to this decision. Well, Tree of Man was a book that I had to read uh, for my year 12. And um, it was a book I read over summer and I hated it. I just found it deathly boring. I felt that nothing happened. It just, um, it was so slow. And I thought, oh, a whole sort of uh, term of studying this book will kill me. Um, But it's a tribute to, you know, the great literature teachers that so many of us enjoy. And uh, and mine was Miss McPherson. I went to high school in Ballarat and we had a very small uh, English lit class. And she read that book with us and she taught me how to read Patrick White. Wow. She read it aloud to you? Yep. So we read it aloud together. Um, And it just came to life. And it was quite a humbling experience, really, because we were a group of 17-year-old girls. We were in a hurry. We were terribly impatient. We felt as though life was about to begin, you know, when we could finally finish school. And yet here was this book And she taught us how to slow down and how to see the complexity in simplicity. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, so that for me was a real lesson in having the patience Mm -hmm. to really dig deep and that nothing is what it seems sometimes with books. You have to actually invest. You do. I think what's wonderful about this book is how readable it is, considering that it was written in 1955. It's very... Uh, it is slow in the sense that it kind of it, there's a lot of seasonal changes and these are people that live on the land and they're planting and they're you know the cow gets pregnant and then you have to wait all that time before the he- yeah. you know, before the calf is born so you're actually traveling along with them as they sort of journey through life together these very young people who are only just married who barely know each other yes and who are you know building their own house from the ground up and they live. They they live their lives together, but this is a story about them being very separate yes. as well. Yes. You know, it's about it's just about resilience yep. and 
Um, and again, I think it was the age, you know, the age that I was at. I just had all these massive expectations about what life would bring and bold, big ambition, which is fantastic. But this was a really humbling experience about, you know, it was about compromise. It was about mm. resilience. It was about love, but not in a way as 17-year-olds, we wanted to know love. You know, yes. it was about these two people learning to love each other, not always to like each other and barely to understand each other. That's right. Um, but it was a really, it was kind of an adult um, understanding and comprehension of life, you know, that really life is. is just... What an odd choice for a year 12 text. Well, then. suddenly was... I'm starting to see it at, you know, I read it at the age that I am now and it's yeah. a book that you can reflect on and understand. But, you know, at the age that you're talking about, it is all about big, bold love and huge statements and, you know, all the meat cutes and all that kind of fun romance. But this is a really... Heavy. In some ways, it's, <laughs> well, it's a dull romance. If you're using the word romance in that way, well, it's yeah, it's and it's it's, it's such a slow burner. But real, I, I think all of us, and as I say, it was a small class, um, and I think all of us walked into uh, that classroom in February just kind of groaning. <laughs> um, but I, I spoke to a friend of mine who was in that class only recently, and we both, you know, for both of us, it was a really important book. So mm. I, I would say I haven't gone on to be a great Patrick White fan, but this really is a book that um, this, well, that was quite important for me. Mm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of. Um, sort of stream of consciousness narration. There's a lot that goes yes. on inside the heads of the characters and it's often unspoken. And so we as readers are privy to these kind of inside lives and the way they react to situations that they're in or the way they think about their neighbours and don't always share Absolutely. that with each other. Yes. What an insight to have as, as in year 12. Yeah, yeah, right? that's right. And, and you're right, they don't share a lot. They're not They're not big communicators no, at not all. Exactly, not really. And you can imagine, you know, we're 17-year-old girls, we overshare. That's so, right. So, you know, we're reading this book and it's just so different to the world that we're actually in. Um, and yet they're not great communicators and yet they do find this equilibrium. Um, but as I say, you know, the relationship one is one of solitude as well. They spend a lot of time alone, you know, in they their do. own environment. Yeah. 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 And so have you did you have to write an assignment on it? Was oh, it was an entire, you know, we had to, one of the end of year um, essay questions was in relation to it. So it was a, it was a significant, <laughs> it was really not a book that I could avoid. <laughs> and speaking of avoiding it, have you successfully avoided it since then or have you ever revisited it? I've read it twice since yep. and, and I enjoyed it, but I don't go back to it. It's not a book that I constantly go back to. But still an important book for me. Yeah. yeah. And I've tried to get my, my two daughters to read it and they won't go anywhere near it. You'll have I need to, to find Mrs McPherson. I wonder if she's still around. <laughs> Maybe she could give she could read it aloud That's right. at your home during yeah. dinner time yeah. or something. She could record <laughs> the audio book. Audio book. Yes. <laughs> it's perfect driving. Really good road trip book, wouldn't it? It would be a great road trip book, yeah. Yeah. It would be well paced, I think, for that kind of driving yeah. through Australia. Yes. Through Victoria. Yeah, okay, wow. My mind has just run off without me. <laughs> I'm just going to catch up. Um, could you please reveal the author and title of book two? Melbourne by Sophie Cunningham. I'm so glad you chose this book. Oh, good. Do you love this book too? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I chose this book um, 
again, I, I've chosen books today that um, are quite meaningful for moments in my life. So I, um, my family and I moved to Sydney for seven years. I come from Melbourne, grew up in Ballarat. Um, and we moved to Sydney and one of my best friends gave me this book as we were moving. And it's um, one of a series uh, that was published. Uh, writers were invited to talk about their hometown. And Sophie wrote about Melbourne. And I remember getting up to Sydney and unpacking and about three months in, I read this book. And uh, I'd, you know, I'd only had three months in Sydney. I didn't love it. And um, and I was terribly homesick. And mm. I read this book and I was like, oh, Sophie. <laughs> it was just everything that I loved about Melbourne and it, just this beautiful narrative yeah. that brought um, aspects of Melbourne to life. Um, and so I then, seven years later, when I was returning to Melbourne, we were packing boxes and I found it and I read it again and mm. I, my heart swelled. It was just like I'm going home. Yeah. Um, so it was just one of these beautiful books that for me captured so much of what I understand about Melbourne, but also told me a whole lot of fantastic sort of stories about the place that I had no idea about. I felt like I could build a literary family tree of Melbourne reading it. Like every name she added, I was like, wait, that person did that thing before. I only know them for this thing. Yes. And suddenly they're connected this way. Yeah. And putting family trees together. And were you in Melbourne in 2009? Yes, yes. So yeah. there's so much of, oh, I live. Yes, I was in Melbourne yes. for that event. Yes, I remember that hailstorm. Yes, yes I remember that, that yes. 40 degree New Year's Eve. Like I remember yeah. all of those things. And yet also things that you don't know. So, you know, that Queen Victoria Market was built on the side of a cemetery. You know, all these things that you actually don't know either. And, you know, it's a love story to Melbourne. But it also celebrates its uh, its quirkiness and its flaws, and um, yeah, I adore I adore the book. And I and those two moments just bookended a period um, where I I enjoyed Sydney, but it made me realise you know how much I love Melbourne. I think there's one city at the heart of us and we can live wherever we want, but we can't quite escape yes. that one city. And it's not always a hometown. For some people, it's not, not their hometown, not where they grew up, but Melbourne is in my heart yes. too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was, there was one thing I was going to say about Melbourne. So we have it in our local history collection because it is such an incredible snapshot of what was going on in Melbourne at that time, it's a historical document of our city. Mm. Um, and, it is, yeah. And there's so much geography to it. I've written a note saying a geographical memoir, question mark, and I wanted to ask you, do you see it as a history, uh, like a historical document or a memoir or a bit of both? I see it more as a historical document and I think I read something um, where Sophie rejects the idea of it being a memoir, and I kind of, I kind of understand that, um, because it's just snapshots in time and place, and um, and I think I think I've got a quote. She um, she talked about taking aspects of um, time and places she knows it. And then going back to understand how those things came to be, and I really loved that. That's how I. That's how I sort of read it. You know, here I am, and these are my surrounds. Mm, you know, what what made that? How what yeah. influenced that? And that's what I love about it. So I don't think it's a memoir. It's more sort of you know just vignettes of, yeah. of time, place, character. I feel like it's her year. 
Mm. Like it's Sophie's experience of 2009. But I, but I loved getting to know her and the things that she enjoys, maybe because I found so many common interests. Yes, yes. Maybe because I felt like, oh, I love that thing about Melbourne yes. too. I know that venue. Yes. I've been to that location. I've sat under that tree. I've done all of those things. Well, so, well, on that actually, because I, I give this book to so many people, uh, this is probably the, the book that I have bought the most copies of. And I gave it to a friend um, in Sydney when I was leaving and she read it and um, she said uh, she felt it was too exclusive. It was a club that she didn't feel that she belonged to. And I thought that was kind of, I think that was kind of interesting though. You know, it's, it's probably not representative of Melbourne, but it's a, it's a, it's a snapshot of a time and a place and a and an area. Yeah, maybe yeah. it's not everyone's Melbourne. Yeah. It is very inner city. But I, it's a snapshot of my Melbourne. Like I just, <laughs> I connected with it so much. And it's given me endless ideas for Desert Island Books guests. Has it? It's yeah, just good. full of Melbourne yeah, people. I'm it like, is, I absolutely. want to talk to that person <laughs> about their favourite books and that person. So I've made a little short list. Yeah. <laughs> so she, I have found this quote. Oh, she read says, it to um, me. Uh, if my ashes were scattered in the Carlton Gardens... And she's writing about uh, recounting her various uh, domestic and working addresses. Uh, you could mount an argument for a life lived as narrowly as that of any 18th century English village girl. About two square kilometres would cover it. The only strange thing that is that this isn't really such an unusual Melbourne story. Not at all. It's the same. I feel like I've walked the same streets and I've been to the yeah. same places. Isn't that lovely? It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, to spend your life in one place and to see it change and evolve and still belong. And to go in and out of it as well. You know, Sophie's lived a very broad, wide life. So, yeah, lovely. I think I might have to talk to Sophie. Yes, definitely. Wouldn't she be great? Definitely. Yeah, okay, we'll pop her on the list. <laughs> Hi, Sophie, if you're listening. Um, Kate, could you reveal the title and author of book three? <laughs> Old Tom by Lee Hobbs. Just a big sigh from me, that's all you get. (laughs) Go for it. Look, this is my favourite because um, I have three children and my eldest is 21 and um, reading's been a really big part of my life and so you want um, as a parent to pass that on and each of my three children would say that I have forced reading down their throats. <laughs> but um, I, this one is particularly important because we used to go to, uh, we used to live in um, Collingwood and we used to go to the old Collingwood Library, which is a beautiful library. Mm. And um, Ruby, my eldest, would always get out Old Tom. It was the book that she just really, you know, she it just gelled with her. And anyway, one day, um, it was her birthday, and I bought her a new copy of Old Tom. And uh, we went to the library, we took the books back. Um, she proudly showed the librarian her new, you know, her own copy of Old Tom, and that was great. We went home that night, and I was kissing her goodnight, and um, uh, I sort of puffed her pillow up, and I felt something in the pillow. And it was the library copy of Old Tom. And she looked at me and she was mortified <laughs> that she'd been caught stealing the book because it, it was meant to be in the library bag going to be returned. And she said, I really love my new copy, but I can't give this one back. So I negotiated with a Collingwood, gorgeous Collingwood librarian to give them our new copy of Old Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, old Tom, so we could give the copy. And actually I had this lovely opportunity to tell Lee Hobbs that only last year. You know, he was the reason Ruby, you know, he that, he was the person that 
got Ruby. You know, she fell in love with reading. That was the book whereby, you know, she just got the reading bug and um, and he's been a favourite. She, she still has that Collingwood Library book. <laughs> um, so I love that because of that moment and, and what that book meant for her mm. and how important that is for every parent to have those moments. I think it's important for books to be shared among family members and I love that that's a kind of a central story yeah. for her and also for you, Yeah, those books we fall in love with. I wouldn't recommend stealing library books. <laughs> But, but I have heard, I have heard parents tell me that their child refuses to read the brand new copy of their favourite book that has been purchased for them. They just want the stinky, chewed on, so, broken so library right. library copy. That is so right. And I think we remember not just the as kids we remember not just the content of the book, but the context of the book. So what was on the cover. You know, I interviewed Jane Harper for her Desert Island books earlier this year and she has a copy of The Witches from when she was a child. Oh. And she was, I think it was a gift and the um, the person who gave it to her wrapped it in paper, wrapped the cover in paper. Oh. So she didn't realise that there was a Quinton Blake illustration on the cover. Oh. She had never seen the cover <laughs> for many years after she received that book because it just looked, the cover was just floral and said nothing on it. It was I just the wrapping it. around it. Yeah. And so still she brought in her copy from her childhood, yeah. it's still wrapped in this beautiful floral Isn't paper. That beautiful? But to her, the witches has a floral cover yeah. and no, yes. <laughs> and no yes. pictures. Yes, and on that's it. her, you know, bespoke experience. That's which exactly is lovely. right. It's those yeah. memories that stay with us. It is, and I think it's the, um, you know, for, mm. for for Ruby too. It was that ritual of going and getting the book and borrowing the book. And here was I, you know, thinking that it was going to be this <laughs> lovely thing, but actually for Ruby, it was the whole library experience as well. So. Here was I by purchasing the book for her, which is the right thing to do. Um, <laughs> uh, but for her too, it was that shared experience. It was the shared experience of being able to go and she would get Old Tom and she would choose another four books, but Old Tom would be the staple. And it was the routine and um, and it was the story, the illustration, but it was also the experience. And how important is that? How important are libraries? Yeah. I mean, how do you quantify yeah. that sometimes? Yes. I think it's the stories of what they mean to us and what we've what we remember about them and what we bring yes. with us into the future. And then yeah. how we share that with other people too. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I think the thing that I like most about old Tom is that um is that he is who he is. Yeah. And he's and he's flawed and yeah. he's um, you know, he's a bit cranky and he's it, it just yeah, I, I love the character and um, and I felt like a real fangirl meeting Lee uh, Hobbs for the first time only a couple of years ago mm. um, because he's been such a big part of our lives in, in, in our family. But it was because of the character of old Tom, you know, deeply flawed and absolutely lovable. Yeah, and such a cat. <laughs> yeah. That he's not named as a cat. The word yes. cat doesn't appear in yes. any of the stories about old Tom. He just is old Tom. <laughs> So I went, I delved deep. I read all five old Tom books. <laughs> so I, I've read the full, the full series. I'm fully up to date. They came out while I was at university. So I kind of missed them as a kid, but I, I caught up as an adult. And as an adult, what I like most about old Tom is that he's essentially a deeply flawed character. And, and Angela Throgmorton, he's, yes. he's, his mum, she thinks of yes. old Tom as her Absolutely. son. So yes. let's go with mum. She 
you know, in the in the first the, the signature book, the first book in the yeah. series, she sees him as unkempt and messy and disrupting her her neat yeah. orderly life, mm. and so she kicks him out without any spoilers. He finds his way home. It's okay because um, he's, he's he's because he has a heart of gold, and so does she. Yes, and I think what what I took from that as an adult, if I'm t- if we're taking life lessons from children's books, as we should, um, I took from that that there is a great deal of compassion to be found when you can accept someone for who they are. Yeah. And this yes. is a book with four words per page and scribbly drawings. Yes. And and I just, I think it's um, that lovely pairing of the most unlikely individuals. So it's the odd couple, which we all love. And, but they're meant to be together. Yes. And it's so wonderful that they find each yes. other. Yeah. I won't tell you what happens when they go on the rocket ship. That's yeah, no spoilers. No, yeah. no spoilers. Yeah. You're right about that. Um, Kate, what are you reading at the moment? Well, I've just, um, I have the, you know, obligatory pile next to my bed. Um, but I've just started uh, Mark Brandy's new uh, book, which I don't think has been released yet. So I'm very lucky. It's called The Rip. Okay. Um, and Mark wrote uh, Wimra, which I really, really enjoyed. I just think he's uh, he's such a beautiful writer. Um, and Wimra, I grew up in Ballarat, so I feel as though I know that area so well and he's writing of a time that, you know, I kind of connect with and, uh, yeah, beautifully, beautifully written and quite confronting um, mm, but, you is. know, a very compelling book, I think. Yeah. Um, the Writers on Writers series I'm, is also next to, to my bed. I've, I've loved this series. So it's a partnership, um, State Library and um, Melbourne Uni and Black Ink. So really beautiful, uh, um, beautiful insights into writers by writers. Um, Lise Sales, my friend from the ABC, uh, she's just released a book, uh, uh, One Ordinary Day, and that's um, – uh, I was speaking to her recently about it and, and – I said I, I did start this that book and take a deep breath and I thought, oh, okay, this is going to be a bit tough because she does talk about um, just significant changes in people's lives that they're not expecting and how people really um, cope with advers- uh, adversity. Um, but it is the most uplifting book. I'll it's bet. really, really uplifting um, uh, and just extraordinary, inspiring and humbling, lovely read. People's lives. People's lives. And Through the eyes of Lee Sales. What yeah. could possibly be, yeah. what could be What could be better? But it's also a lovely insight into Lee as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, she makes the point that on a daily basis she is telling these stories that are often just harrowing stories and yet she had a really significant event, uh, a series of significant events um, unforeseen in her life over the past few years. So she was sort of suddenly, um, she found herself in a space whereby she realised that on a daily basis she has a filter that allows her to tell other people's stories. So I think it's a very brave book to write and a really beautiful insight into Lee as well. Mm. Um, sorry, I'm going to go on. No, please. Yeah, Claire <laughs> writes uh, new oh, work, yeah. uh, Your Daughters of, of Freedom. So Claire is uh, just it's such an amazing historian. Historian and writer. She just brings history to life in a way that is just so beautiful. Agreed. 
Agreed. Um, I second that. Yeah, so that's that. I've, I've, I've just started that one, so I can't tell you too much about it. Um, the other one that I just have really enjoyed this year is by, it's called Mine by a Melbourne writer called Susie Fox. Um, it's her first novel and it is an absolute cracker of a read. Is it um, a thriller? It's a thriller. Um, it's a thriller and I... I won't tell you anything more about it because it is a really unlikely topic um, and she is brilliant. Um, I got to know her a little bit through the State Library and she's a, she's a GP. She's a, such an overachiever. Um, wow. She's written this book and, you know, has, uh, is well on the way to a couple of others and, and this one is really terrific. I think it needs more publicity so please go and, go and read it. I will. Um, I so will do as I'm told. <laughs> thank you. Um, and yeah, that, I've also got Laura Tingle's new um, quarterly Ooh. essay, which I'm oh. yet to start. That's my pile next to my bed. And all physical books or any e-books for you? Uh, not at this not at this point. I, I do read e-books, but these are all physical books. Do you audio book while yes, you're on the go? You do absolutely. Yeah. So, and this has been just uh, sort of a new little. Um, uh, a new part of my life. When I was in journalism, um, I was listening to news and current affairs constantly um, and I'm someone who I walk for at least an hour every morning with my two beautiful dogs and um, and that space was always a space where I just had information coming in. I was, you know, keeping up to, to date. Uh, moving out of that space, it's just been this beautiful luxury and audio books have filled that space and I love it. I just, I really, really, um, I didn't think I would, but I've really adopted audio books. So I've just finished um, The Driver's Seat by Mural uh, Spark. Yeah. Um, really fantastic. Uh, and I'm currently listening to The Only Story by Julian Barnes. Oh, yes. Um, but I, I will always have an audio book on the go. Mm. I think the more narrative-driven, kind of plot-driven books are best yes. for audio books. Yes, Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you're never distracted. Yes. And I, I, um, mm. I can never listen to a non-fiction. Oh, really? No. Not even a biography read no. by the author? No. I can't convince I just, you. I don't know. I just can't do it. Really? It has to, be, I, it has to take me to another world. As you, I'm walking down by the river, I just want to be absolutely transported. Yeah. yeah. Magda Zabansky reading her autobiography oh, yeah, okay. is that could get me. Although, a revelation. I, see, I loved reading that though. Yes. yes. Well, one yeah, day yeah, in your future when yeah. you're ready for it again. Or, or when you maybe when you're not on the move, maybe it is about that pace that you're keeping while you're walking. Yes. You need something to be narrative driven. But when you're relaxing and, I don't know, yeah. have a go. I'll have a go. Magda and I ask you nicely. We say <laughs> please. Because that, that one really is... You loved it? I did. Yeah. I love that book for yeah. so many reasons. But having Magda with me while I listen to it. Yes. Is a, very was a really, yeah, yeah, really special. It's a beautiful book. I think, and I wonder if I'm just about to have a light bulb moment about my own life. Are okay. you okay Good. to yeah, come with share. me for this? Okay. I'm with you. So Sophie Cunningham's book, Melbourne, I learned about Sophie. And you were talking about Lee Sales's book and how Lee's in that book. And Magda's book is so Magda. I think it's the connection that I make with the person who wrote the book yeah. that makes some books really special for me, particularly in a nonfiction um, kind of way. And so having Magda read to me or having Lee tell me stories or having Sophie walk me through mm. her life in Melbourne. Actually, that'd be a great audiobook. 
don't you think? Mm, mm. Sophie does okay. walking tours. Yes, you could kind of get like a live yeah. audio book, <laughs> but that's not recorded. It would just be a one-off thing. But that connection that you make with the author when they put some of themselves yes. in them, how's that for a yes. life-affirming moment? I think that's moment? fantastic. Absolutely. You, you with me? I'm with you, okay. yes. Yeah. Let's get Lee Sales in <laughs> as well. We'll pop <laughs> her on the list. Sophie, Definitely. Lee, Magda. Magda. This is a really good list. I'm here to help. Okay, great. <laughs> this is working. <laughs> Um, And my final question for you is how do you choose what you're going to read next? Do you have people thrusting books at you or is it more of a choice of your own? Um, No, I do have people thrusting books at me, which I love. Um, So word of mouth, uh, you know, working in this sector, it is absolutely word of mouth. But even prior to that, lots of my close friends and my two sisters and my beautiful mother um, and my sister-in-law are all um, avid, avid readers. And so that plays a really big part in our lives. And actually, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, gosh, we talk about books and movies so much. Um, And we know each other's tastes and we challenge each other a bit. Um, So, uh, yeah, it's always word of mouth. And I can't, I mean, I'm a sucker for a bookshop too. I just, um, I have to, I have to stop myself walking into readings at the State Library because I think I'm their greatest investor. Um, Yes, love, 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 love having uh, new books. I just need to, my appetite is much larger than my capacity to consume. (laughs) (laughs) That is always the case and budget sometimes. Maybe they lay by some books for you at readings. (laughs) You could ask them nicely. (laughs) All right, thank you so much for joining me on your Desert Island Cage. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. You can read this episode's show notes, including a list of all the books we discussed, and I mean all the books we chatted about, on our Goodreads page. You can find that on the library website at www.melbournelibraryservice.com.au. Just look for the read page. I'd also love to hear about your Desert Island books. Tweet at Library with the hashtag Desert Island Books and let me know the books you can't live without, and it can be a long list. It doesn't have to be just three. You can download previous Desert Island Books episodes in your favourite podcasting app at SoundCloud or iTunes. Simply search for Melbourne Library Service. Happy reading.